Hi, this is Theo Penglis. I am the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us for episode 645 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, Teo Penglis is going to be joining us. He's from Days of Our Lives. He was on the TV show in the 80s, Mission Impossible, the reboot of it, and uh, all sorts of other things, General Hospital and more and more. And uh, we'll get into that with uh, Teo as uh, we get into the interview in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. And uh, we are moving along as we get closer to September when we uh, have our 17th season start. So 17 years we've been doing this here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, we want to thank you for listening and I hope you'll tell friends about On Screen and Beyond to help us get more listeners and uh, keep things going here. The more listeners we have, the more guests we can have. Uh, with all the strikes going on, um, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to say. Are we going to get uh, you know uh, people on the air? I know they're dropping off TV shows and things like that and uh, making guest appearances and things. So uh, we'll see. We, we'll see what happens. We don't know. It's affecting a lot of different things down the, ro- down the road here. And uh, we'll see what uh, happens. But we've got some things scheduled, so I'm not too worried about that right now. And uh, we get a lot of uh, guests coming up on more episodes of On Screen and Beyond. So hope you'll keep listening. And, of course, you can always go back if you have not looked back at all our episodes. All you have to do is go back to onscreenandbeyond.com and you can see every single episode that we have had here and all the great guests that uh, have uh, honored us by joining us here and uh, it's just a pleasure to have them and I thank them so much over the years for joining us if you haven't listened to all the episodes be sure to go back because uh, there's just so many of these people who have given us great music and great TV and great movies Uh, sports figures too we've had some of those on too Uh, they've been involved with TV shows and things like that Uh, we've we've had some of them so uh, hope you'll keep uh, listening and go back and uh, you know keep us going here by adding more listeners to On Screen and Beyond which like I say relates to more guests that we can get so thank you so much for doing that and if you go to onscreenandbeyond.com that's the best place to look for it or you can go back to um you know, Apple podcasts and uh, scroll down that way if you want. Uh, uh, and if uh, Spotify, things like that, uh, they, they have them too. But uh, we have our little write-ups and our pictures of the people and all that if you go to onscreenandbeyond.com. So just a, a lot of different ways you can find out who we've had over the years. And uh, we'll be coming out with a trailer very shortly, uh, going back and, and, you know, giving you an idea of uh, what what we do here at On Screen and Beyond. So, uh, you know, some people can just listen to a short clip and hear a bunch of stuff. So we'll be getting that out shortly. I've been working on that. And uh, I don't know. It's uh, time for remake sequels, and prequels right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Well, as far as remake sequels, and prequels, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Now, this is a prequel to Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. It will be on Paramount Plus, and it's coming our way on October 8th. Speak No Evil was a Danish thriller, and now it's being remade by Bloomhouse, and it stars James McAvoy, and it comes our way on August 9th, 2024. And that's with a, you know, little quotation marks around it saying, you know, We'll see <laughs> if, if they reach that date with all the strikes and everything. And let's see. Barry star Anthony Kerrigan has been added to the cast of Superman Legacy. He's going to be in the role of the superhero Metamorpho. And that's it for remake sequels and prequels. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. <laughs> Upcoming new movies, September 29th, you can look for John David Washington as he battles to save Earth from AI in a sci-fi thriller called The Creator. Aquafina and Sarah O. 
and Sandra Oh will star in Quiz Lady. Now, this is about a dysfunctional family on a game show, and that lands on Hulu on November 3rd. And a heist thriller called Eeny Meeny is in the works, and most likely that will be on streaming also. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as movies and TV on DVD and streaming? Movies and TV on DVD and streaming, Babylon 5. The complete series flies on to Blu-ray on December 5th. Rick and Morty, the complete seasons 1 through 6, arrives on Blu-ray and DVD on September 12th. And on August 8th, The Machine with Mark Hamill hits Blu-ray and DVD. And on August 2nd, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will stream on Disney+. And that's it for movies and TV on DVD and streaming. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. Hi, this is Vicki Lawrence, and I am on On Screen and Beyond. TV and Entertainment Time, Yellowstone will be part of the CBS reworked fall schedule with... Uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to be editing things, uh, you know, but the whole season, uh, not of Yellowstone, but of the uh, CBS uh, schedule for the fall is heavily relying on reality shows, unfortunately. And uh, it will also be showing the original UK version of Ghosts. Now, Ghosts for them was a big hit, but that's the US version, but uh, they can't have any because those are being, you know, boycotted because of the strike and they've been able to access the UK version for you. So we'll see what, uh, what you think about that one. And on Sunday, September 10th at 9 PM, that's the date for the walking dead, Daryl Dixon to premiere on AMC as the walking dead saga continues. And August 3rd is the date Netflix drops the five remaining episodes of the Lincoln lawyer season two. That's it for TV and entertainment time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we are sitting down with Teo Penglis. Now, he's from Days of Our Lives, and he was also on General Hospital. He was on Mission Impossible, the TV show from the 80s. And uh, he's got a podcast out, and it's a uh, it's sort of like a, a you know a, a history, and uh, it's a detective-style thriller type thing it's uh, it, it's all about Greece and Homer and we got a whole lot of things to listen but talk to him about this because this is going to be interesting he's got some great facts to let us know about and Teo Penglis is coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond Joining us today on On Screen and Beyond is an actor who was part of the 80s TV reboot of Mission Impossible. He also was on General Hospital, but he is most known for his roles as Tony DeMira and Andre DeMira on Days of Our Lives. He also has a thrilling detective-style new podcast called The Lost Treasures, exploring Greece's greatest contribution to the world's literature, the poet Homer. It's Teo Penglis. Teo, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. Now, Teo, when I got the promo about what you've, you're doing, I mean, of course, you know, what you've done on TV and movies and things like that, that, that I knew, but, but this podcast that you're doing, uh, it, it sounds so intriguing. Uh, can you give us an idea what Lost Treasures is about and how you decided to work on this? Well, you know, it's, it's been in the last 20 years um, that one day, it, it was like when I went to climb Mount Sinai, I never even realized that you could do that uh, in in my youth. And I'm always looking for new projects and away from daytime because after a while you can get, if you're not exploring other avenues of yourself, you can get uh, bogged down into repeating yourself. And um, history was always something I was interested in, especially... Uh, histories, you know, like um, 
like Schliemann, who discovered, I mean, he was like a conquistador, you know, of explorers, the mm -hmm. 19th century. So, um, uh, you know, the 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 trip to Troy, uh, I think, kind of solidified everything, especially when I sat at the edge of of what they called uh, uh, the Trode, where the uh, war between the Greeks and the Romans took place um, in around 1500 BC. And, you know, we uh, sat there and I realized, wow, you know, you start, your imagination starts to soar. And I think sometimes when people said, when I'm explaining something, or oh, where does that imagine came, come from? Well, you know, when you go and explore other cultures, there's something about you that complete, it's like a muscle, you know, it just keeps expanding. Mm -hmm. And so um, the Lost Treasures really came because I decided because of Schliemann, I, I was recognized in, in Athens by, um, in the Greek Museum, uh, the Archaeological Museum, and, and uh, he asked me, because he had such pleasure watching uh, Mission Impossible, could we do something for me? And I, and I thought, oh God, that's, celebrity does work, you know. <laughs> So I said, yes, I would like to see uh, Schliemann's house, his palace, uh, that I had read about. And I said, uh, I'd like to go to the Genavius Library because I hear there are thousands of documents that have been left there. And so for two weeks, uh, I explored Troy and, and went through 60,000 documents. And I took all these facts down. I read through his diaries and then went to his house and explored that and how he must have lived in the 19th century. And what came about was the story. And so I've just finished uh, with my writing partner a, a, a script called The Lost Treasures. And it is about um, a young man of today who goes exploring the same way I did. And by reading the diaries, his imagination starts to soar and you start to flash back to what Schliemann went through. And so, and how he discovered, let's face it, uh, there's nothing for me more exciting than digging into the earth and finding some treasure. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've been I've done that, and um, so when I explored and saw what he found in Troy, which is now <clears throat> the treasure was stolen by the Russians during the time of the Second World War, and it's in the Pushkin Museum now, um, but that treasure was absolutely magnificent. I mean, you know, just the the headgear of what, uh, whoever owned it. I mean, he thought it was Helen of Troy, but that was his imagination. But there was 16,000 pieces of gold in that necklace and, and all other things. And um, and then I explored Mycenae, where the Trojan War started, with Agamemnon and Menelaus and uh, all the Greeks that went to fight Troy. Um, he found the most amazing treasure. I mean, you imagine digging into some ancient grave. And then when you came, it, it came to a mask, a gold mask. And when he lifted it, there was a face of a, of a, an ancient king still there with the eyes and everything. And within seconds, the whole thing turned to dust. Oh, and so, um, but he came, he, he discovered five of them. I think they've discovered 13 now today. Um, but that treasure was magnificent. I mean, all those gold masks which are in the archaeological museum in Athens, um, that's what got me all interested. I mean, you know, touching those things, see, seeing those things, and um, being able to come home and think, you know, your life's not wasted. And so I thought, you know, my life's been well lived, and what not, why not write about it? And that's how hmm. the wow. Lost Treasures came up. Yeah, that is incredible. Uh, it, now, did you know that there were 60,000 pages of documents and diaries and things that, that you know, were in this, no. that you could get to? <laughs> no, they just kept reading boxes after boxes. And I said, what's all this? So well, these are his diaries. These are all the clippings from the 19th century newspapers. These are personal letters. I mean, you know, it was one box after another, but each box was brought in separately so there'd be no confusion. And whatever I wanted, they would copy for me. And then that's how I got the information out. Um, I mean, there was one moment there, just one moment. It's like, you know, uh, I'll tell you later about the story in Egypt, but there was just one moment. I was reading a love letter to his wife, Sophia uh, 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 Schliemann, and, and I thought, oh, wouldn't this look nice on my wall? <laughs> I thought to myself, no, no, you can't do that, you know, but, you know. <laughs> We all have that little bit of crookedness sometimes, <laughs> and your your good nature says, "Joe, 
you know, yeah. that's what boundaries are about, you know. But oh my God, I just all I could see was that being framed in my living room, wow. and uh, and people saying, "Oh, what's that?" And then you said to them, "That's a love letter from the man who discovered Troy and Mycenae and became the father of archaeology uh, in the 19th century and died sadly, though." Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that's part of the story that he was this great man who made a, you know, he was as rich as they could come because of why well, he became a prince merchant of, of Russia. Um, he did, incre- I mean, he came from nothing. And uh, and so he, you know, they scoffed at him. They thought that what he was talking about was just utter rubbish, but no one could afford to explore what he could at the time. And he had a tendency to rush to judgment about what he was exploring and what he found. But he did did say to one Greek archaeologist who was very envious of uh, of his discoveries, and he when he said to him, "You have no proof that that's the period," and he said, "Well, if I'm wrong because I write about these things and tell my my uh, followers in those days, you know, it was through the printed page that mm-hmm. he got, had a lot of fans who followed his history and his his discoveries." And he said, "And if I'm and if I'm wrong, if I'm right." then they will discover at the same time. But if I'm wrong, they will discover that as well. So uh, he had his principles, but, you know, he he was fearless. And, uh, you know, that's very appealing. And so he, to me, he was like, even though he was Victorian, he was like an Indiana Jones. I was know? just going to say that. <laughs> He's a real-life Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's so sad because when the, when the the when they hid the treasure in Germany, uh, during the Second World War, and uh, it was hidden in the zoo um, because uh, they knew the Russians were coming uh, to take a lot of uh, war booties back because um, of what they did to the Germans did to Russia. But what they, where they hid it, and how they hid it, and out of frustrations, the Russians couldn't find it. And when they went to the zoo looking everywhere, one soldier became so frustrated he kicked the wall, and his foot went right through. And hmm. What was behind there was the the uh, treasure of Troy, and so he uh, they took it back with them. But they hid it and didn't tell anyone. Like so many looted objects during the Second World War, you know, they mm-hmm. disappeared. And, and so um, it wasn't until in 1992, because the headline was in 1945, um, Dixon's uh, treasure has been lost again, but this time forever. And they thought it was destroyed with the bombings, but these two curators were were uh, shredding papers, and uh, one paper fell out, and they looked at, it, and the top of the heading was Schliemann's gold, and one turned to the other and said, well, "What's that doing here?" And then they went down into that. You know how red is the lost ark? Lost ark? How it opens? I think how it closes? Where you see boxes after boxes yes. after boxes? Well. That's what they went to. That's how much loot there was. There's over five million pieces that the wow. Russians had stolen, that the Germans had stolen from Europe, and then the Russians. And of course, they only when they when they uh, wrote to the American Art Magazine that the Schliemann gold had been found in the Russian basement, they had to surface it, and they did an exhibit in 1994. And so that's where it lies in 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 Russia sadly, uh, because we can't go to Russia these days. Um, but I thought it would be nice. So I'm hoping that possibly that, you know, once I start doing this work and the script, I would love to see the, the, the Mycenaean gold that he found with with all those fabulous gold masks and swords and, hmm. wow. and jewelry come to America and be exhibited. Because, you know, a lot of people can't afford to travel and... Uh, it's an education about what came before us, and you know, it's it's uh, it's that kind of history where that's what I liked writing about. It. it was like, oh my God, I'm I'm actually writing history and and walking the path of those ancient uh, heroes, and yeah. uh, so uh, it was it was the most enjoyable story. And it got away from all that stuff I had to say as Tony or Andre de Mera. Um, that I had into my brain after all those years of 40 years of, <laughs> of learning dialogue. It was nice to put something, you know, yeah. alive and fresh. Yeah. What was it like going to Troy? You said you've been there five times? No, Troy I've been three times. Three times, okay. Um, what, what was it like? Um, well, you know, someone 
said, oh, what, what's the big deal about Troy? It's just rocks, you know. And I said, my God, that's how you see it? Yeah, it's never it's rocks. rocks. It's, it's, it's history. No. I mean. uh, yeah, the, you, you know, it is. Uh, there's a thing, uh, where the Trojan horse entered, and that was part of the story, and, and where the Greeks tricked the Trojans into opening the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, that's called the Skane Gate. Now, that's still there, not the gate itself, but the the platform in which it went up, because those walls, I mean, you can see some of the walls are still up, but they were two or three times higher. Right. They'd just been demolished. One of the mistake, big mistakes that Schliemann did was that he thought, along with another fellow archaeologist called Calvert, uh, he believed that it would have been at the bottom. What they found was uh, Troy is built over nine cities. And um, they couldn't understand which city. He says, well, we're looking for a burnt city because Troy was burnt by the Greeks. So they're looking for burnt residue, uh, burnt rocks, you know. And so because of the so many levels built over each other, they were confused. And so he said it must be at the bottom. You know, that's how Troy started. And, of course, Troy was not at the bottom. Troy was in um, City 7, between 6A and 7 was Troy, and he had cut right through it and demolished a lot of the evidence of oh. the Trojan history. Huh. And that was why he was, you know, attacked. And they never believe, you know, listen, look at, we look at politics today and the way they attack each other with lies and everything. They did the same thing with Schliemann in those days. I don't know what it is with people that they can't deal with truth. Yeah. You know, they have to manifest their lies because they can't accept the fact they've lost. And or they can't win unless they cheat. Mm-hmm. You know, and you look at the way when man is allowed to um, let loose, what he's capable of. I mean, I don't think we we came into this world as nice people mm-hmm. um, or good people. I mean, it's just how how do people go shooting each other and all, all the rest of the crimes that go on? So, you know, Paul Schliemann found all this and this gold, and they all said that they that he had planted it himself. <laughs> So that they could take away his glory. (laughs) So doesn't that sound like a little bit like today? Yeah. Yeah. Boy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, I, I, I see that, you, you you know, pictures in doing my research. I saw pictures of you at the Great Pyramid, the Sphinx and things like that. And that's on my bucket list. I'm hoping within the next year and a half or so, I'll be able to get to Egypt to to go see those things. Is, is it worth it, do you think, <laughs> personally? Oh, you know, I've been to Egypt 14 times. Wow. And uh, I'm going next year when the museum opens in the fall. It's been opening for five years now. Yeah, I know. But it'll be the biggest museum in the world. And, um, you know, it's right near. And if you stay anywhere, stay near that uh, museum. It's called it's called Manor House. And um, it's, uh, it's where Churchill you know, used to have his meetings and everything. You come out in your balcony and there's the pyramids. Uh, there's something about the the things that remain that were 
um, classic or were great and have not been able to be replicated. And that's like, you know, seeing the, the Acropolis in Athens or, mm-hmm. or seeing the, the pyramids of Egypt. And so, you know, I did a lot of explorations in Egypt. And, um, you know, I always love the story of how the Coptic religion, which is um, which started when the, the Holy Family escaped Herod in the first century A.D., and they escaped into Egypt. And for four years, um, Herod had the secret, his secret police chasing them. So there are eight sacred places along the Nile uh, where the Holy Family hid. And I, I think that will be another podcast. And um, so I went to all these places in two weeks. Wow. Over two weeks. And, um, I, you know, you just, you know, you sit in a place where, like, I went to the Greek Orthodox Church in ancient Cairo called Babylon, and I went in, and, and the monk looked at me, and, and, and he smiled, and he says, you Greek? And I said, yes. And so uh, he said, come, come with me. And um, he opened this grate, and we went down a spiral staircase to the floor below. What this church was built upon were two big, humongous pillars of the Roman Empire, and they remain, but only partial. But underneath there is um, an area of where there is a fountain that runs and has been there since Mary had blessed it. And uh, because while they were hiding, it was a cave, mm-hmm. and they blessed it, and the water is still running today. So when you go, he says to me, he told me the whole story, and it's some beautiful icons down there. And, and uh, he said to me, just stay for a while, you know, meditate, whatever it is you want to do, and then come back up. And uh, But I've had these experiences, and then I'll stay, I stood down there for, stayed down there for a couple of hours and, uh, and then drank some of that water. And then I went back upstairs, and he had these candles for me. So he could light, he says, this is to light your way home. And I thought, God, isn't it wonderful to see a contrast of people who are looking to bless you as opposed to <laughs> right. Know, yeah, I know what you mean. Because we, you know, winning, it comes at a cost. You don't win uh, easily in this life. You know, there are too many people who, who because of their own failures, don't wish good, quality, good success for yourself, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's something about this business. If you're in politics or show business, they're the two words. Oh, yeah, geez. Yeah. Now, when you got these 60,000 pages and you were able to copy or they copied them for, copied them for you, uh, now, did you, like, go back and back to your, your job at the, the, the days of our lives? And did you, uh, you know, on your downtime when you weren't on screen, were you going over what you were going to do for Lost Treasures or anything like that? Is that how you worked it? Or did you... Was, when? Yeah, I, I mean, I was working. One of our head writers on Days of Our Lives was Shelley, Sherry Anderson, and she and I were great friends. And and um, we had written a script together uh, about my family in Australia. Uh, and then uh, she said to me, well, "Why don't you write a script and do the first draft yourself?" And so uh, it took me three months, and in my spare time, I would sit there and just um, after reading nine books. My imagination was full, and I thought, where do I start? The hardest thing is to open the door. Mm-hmm. So I, once I got in, that's the thing, you know, some writers will say to you, I spent all day in that chair, and I couldn't start. I couldn't start. So once you start, once you get the clue to and how to open that door, and you start to write, and that's what I did. And his life was so complicated because it was, I mean, tragic in many ways, but, I mean, he started with nothing and ended up on a ship and that ship crashed. He ended up in Amsterdam and and he had to beg for food and he'd recite Homer and uh and then he was you know, really smart but he saw himself not getting anywhere and so one day he decided to go to the German consul because he was German. And when they opened the door and they saw it, he looked like a beggar that slammed the door in his face. So the next time he decided not very gently and when they opened it, he was totally naked and threw himself inside the door and collapsed. He ended up in the hospital, and then people took pity on him. And the next thing you know is the doctor invited him to work for a merchant. Um, and through that merchant, he became a 
a merchant uh, of princes in in Russia, and he's he made millions and millions of dollars because he had such imagination. And what he was doing it for was because one day he thought he would educate himself and and prove to the world that Homer's books on or poems on the Iliad and the Odyssey were factual. They were they were not you know. Uh, stories that he made up. Right. These yeah. were stories that, that were real. And so he always believed that the Iliad was a map to finding Troy. Wow. Huh. That is, it's, it's just so fascinating. I mean, you're, you're, you're like a, 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 a real-life Indiana Jones deciphering all this stuff. Uh, well, you know, what, what is it? Yeah, it's when you get older, you realize you've, you you can look back and see what you've been doing. You know, sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you can't always see because you're looking for the next thing. But I'm not looking so much anymore to the next thing. But what have I done already that can keep my curiosity going? And I think um, the fact that I've done this and now I've, uh, that this podcast, I, I have some great stories, you know, that I could create because not all treasures are about gold and, and jewels lost treasures can denote other things mm-hmm. you know yeah and uh, and you know and I found my own um, when I met this wonderful 72 uh, year old uh, guide in Egypt on my first journey when I was 26 and he said to me um, oh, they've just discovered a new tomb in Saqqara which is the where it's the ancient funeral place of, of the Egyptians. And he says, how would you like to be the first person to walk through that door? And so um, excited as I was, he uh, he brought me to, took me, it was an hour's drive, and he took me to it. They opened the doors as we went in. And I was the first one in, I mean, this the date of this was 2340 BC. And uh, wow. when you go in, uh, oh, it was just amazing. And in within that sand, as I, Sat on that in that sand and meditated. I found two things. One was a mummified cloth of a jackal's jaw, and the other was a beautiful necklace with semi-precious stones in, inserted in gold. And so I I just hid that back, and I showed him what I'd found with the jackal's jaw, and I still have it today. But uh, the next time I went, which was ten years later, when uh, I went back into that tomb, thinking, I wonder if it's still there. And when I went in, the whole thing had oh, – there was not a grain of sand left in there. Hmm. So it, uh, it had disappeared or hopefully it got into the right hands and it's in some museum somewhere. Yeah. But, yes, it's, you know, those, those things, those discoveries, you know, there's something about them when you do. I mean, it's – this. It, it, I mean, they say now that because of, uh, uh, of, of what they can do technologically from the air with the LIDAR system, mm-hmm. And they can see four feet below the sand, but they realize there's only they've only discovered twenty nine percent of Egypt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's just so much more that that they will find over the years. I'm sure it'll take you know this <laughs> so many years. It's going to take just to to dig up everything that they they find with the lidar. Yeah, I mean, you know, you. I, I went uh, I went to Syria uh, just before the war. That was in 2011, and. Uh, they were not nice to me when they, I had an American passport because I became an American passport then and, and an American citizen. And I showed them my passport and they just looked at me and they just held me up and just held me up. Mm. And he says, what are you doing in our country? I said, I came to study your history. And he says, what history? I said, the one before you. Well, he spat in my face. Really? Took my passport and threw it at me. Yes, he says, persona non grata. Americans, you know, and I thought, oh, and then, of course, the war started a year later, but I went into a place called Palmyra, and which was magnificent, one of the best uh, collection of ruins I've ever seen, and then ISIS went in, I think it was in around 2016, and demolished half of it, Mm. bombing it. Yeah. I mean, I I have it on film. I mean, can you imagine, you go into this incredible building, that is from the first century BC, and the whole ceiling is all the archaeological signs, and they're all up there because no sun has hit it, and it's just in cobalt blue, such rich blues, and all the astrological signs, and they bombed that. Oh, what a waste! And you realize, uh, 
see the education. It's all about education. And I'm thinking, what is it about you people? And then there was, they were very smart in, in Sierra. There was an archaeologist there who made replicas of his museum statues and put them up because he, was, he knew they were coming. And so when they came, they just smashed, smashed the statues, but they were stupid enough not to realize that they were fakes. Hmm. Well, that's good. <laughs> yes. But, you know, it's just, you know, through history, you know, we've, we've bombed things and everybody. I, I mean, know. It's so sad. It's, it's so sad that because, you know, if, if we have no cultures, we have no life, really. Mm. That's, yeah. how, that's how our country dies. Because the culture is what keeps it going. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Teo, where can people listen to the Lost Treasures, the podcast? The it's going to be on Spotify and Amazon and all, all the main uh, podcast um, centers. Um, it's uh, the first one, which will be uh, the Trojan Gold and how that was found. Um, and me going in those footsteps of Schliemann, um, is September 5th. Oh, okay, September 5th. And, and Yes, and then after that, two weeks later, there will be the second part, which is the Mycenaean treasure. Uh, and, and then the third is one of the most, uh, I mean, you, you talk about exploring. Um, I read that in, um, in an island called Kefalonia in Greece, that there are new scholars in the last 15 years who've been excavating in that on that island, and it's a phenomenal story. Uh, we've believed all these years that the real Ithaca, that uh, was the island of, of um, Ulysses, when he came back home from the Trojan War. I mean, it's you know, it's uh, it's mythical. Uh, why did it take him 10 years to reach home, you know, after mm. the 10-year war? And then, you know, they have statues up on the island saying this is where he was born, and this is where his castle is. This is. So if you read Homer, Homer always said that the island of Ithaca was the furthest out west. This island they call Ithaca today is the furthest out east. So it's not the island that, that, that the um, poet wrote about. So what these people have done, Biddlestone, uh, the explorer, and also one of his partners, whose name is John Crawshaw, um, came. And while he was standing there one day on the island of Kefalonia, he thought to himself, this island, this dip between these two spaces doesn't seem real. It's not natural. Something happened here. Mm -hmm. So he started investigating, and he thought to himself, could this be two islands? that this part of the island was once one island and this was the rest. Well, they discovered between the 4th and 6th century that an earthquake was so huge that it came down, this mountain, came down so hard and covered and, and took two islands and made it into one. And then a tsunami uh, came that was so horrific, lifted that those islands up. Wow. So, what he believed was that the island on his left was really the island of Ithaca that Homer talked about. So when I heard about that, what they were discovering, I sent an email to Corshaw because Biddlestone died in 2016 or 15. And so um, last year uh, he invited me. You, you talk about a gentleman. I mean, I just thought this is like the old explorers who would be wearing hats and uniforms and boots and a walking stick and, uh, and there he was. I went to the island. He met with me. I went to his house up north. And uh, so I went knowing, because the one thing you have to do is you're going to take the responsibility of meeting people who are that educated. You, you better have your facts ready. So he took me on a trek up and down one mountain by car, and then we would walk with it. He'd give me a walking stick. I fell on my ass, of course. And I thought to myself, it must be Andre de Mera when I fell down. Tony couldn't have fallen. And so I got myself up and I said, oh, I'm still an athlete. And got up and he suddenly, he says, and here we have the pig farm. And Ulysses came home and the famous story about the pig farm and how he came disguised so he could see what was going on in his palace. And there I was standing in the middle of the pig farm. 
And then we went to an open space, and this is where they start used to practice javelin and discus. Mm-hmm. And I, so I went through all of this with him, and uh, the Greek government is so excited because they're realizing that after all these centuries, they are finding the true Ithaca uh, of, of, of Ulysses. Wow. Of course, the, and so, you know, to have been part of that and gone in and so he, he he, he sent me a notice the other day, and he heard part one and part two, and he said, Teo, I just love what you have written and, and, and recorded. I, I love uh, learning more about Schliemann than I ever knew before. He hasn't listened to the third one, because the third one is where I sit down with him, and also while we're exploring and talking. So there's an interview that I did with him, and it, it talks about all those facts. And hmm. So that's the third one, and that's that'll... So from September 5th, and then two weeks later will be the Mycenaean, and two weeks after that will be the the third one, which is um, in search of Ithaca. And then the fourth is I turned to my agent one day and I said, you know, don't you wonder why I wrote these stories? And he goes, why did you write these stories? So I started to tell him about all my experiences that I've done traveling that brought me to this place. And so... Um, so that's the fourth. The fourth, is, the fourth to me has some of the great stories that, you know, they, where they try to kidnap me in the pyramids where uh, Hezbollah pulled me out of the car in southern Lebanon when I went to see the Hippodrome uh, and uh, from the, big, uh, the second biggest outside of Rome and threw me against the wall thinking I was uh, a terrorist wow. or, or a, a spy for Israel. And I went, what? So that was a bit of a shock because they were so nasty. Thank God for the UN man Jeez. from New Zealand. Um, and again, it was because I was recognized that saved my day. You know, it's the same thing when the Mossad agents surrounded me in Jerusalem when I went to go to this, this space where Christ was born. And, and they surrounded me at the airport thinking they recognized her, therefore I must be a terrorist or unwantedly, mm. not thinking I was, you know, an actor. And so. You know, they flashed their badges, but again, it was because of an American tourist recognized me that broke the ice. Jeez, you must have been you must have been scared. <laughs> well, you know, it's it when people surround you like that and flash their badges and they come right into your face, threatening you. I mean, yeah, it's not geez. a nice feeling at all. But you know, sometimes it made me <laughs> it made me laugh. They were furious at me because I started to laugh because I knew that I thought, here we go again. Yeah, so I've learned, don't wear black when you're coming to any of those foreign airports because right away they'll go, oh, even in Hawaii I wore black one time and this inspector came over to me and pulled me over and thought I was uh, uh, some foreign terrorist. Hmm. Wow. So I decided go beige. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> Wow. Hey, you, I mean, it, it, that, that sounds like an episode of uh, uh, Days of Our Lives. You know? I mean, Tony DeMira couldn't do that, you know? I mean, yeah, so the writing's better. I'll say this, is the writing's better. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Hi, Michael Dorn. Worf, Star Trek The Next Generation, on screen and beyond. Now, with all this that you're doing with Lost Treasures and everything you've done over the years looking at archaeology and things like that, uh, was this something that you wanted to do when you were young or was acting what you wanted to do? When I was eight years of age, my father tried to impress his in-laws and his brother-in-laws and his own brothers, you know, because they always flashed whose son was going to come off the best. It was so competitive in those days. and my, I was running up the stairs, I remember, in this little house on Reservoir Street. And my father said, hey, son, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I looked down at them. There were all the men sitting in the living room while the women were in the kitchen cooking, of course. And now I had all their cigarettes and their beers. And I looked down and I said, I'm going to be an archaeologist. And they said, why? <laughs> I said, because there's treasures. <laughs> Yeah. Because I wanted to, as a young boy, because we were poor, I wanted, I had this belief that I was going to um, find treasures that would save my family from poverty. You know, mm. 
that's how my imagination was. But it went back as early as that. And, and then when, of course, when I went to New York and I sat in New York and got into acting and I also was in the fashion world at the time, um, I remember I thought, I got to, got to get to Egypt one day, you know. And mm-hmm. then my boss said to me, listen, I've got to go out in Egypt. I've been there nine times. I need some fresh eyes with something I've got to do. So I said, do you want to go to Egypt? And I said, sure. <laughs> and that's how it started. Wow. That, it must have been yeah. amazing the first time you went. I mean, it, it's seeing all that. I cried. I cried at the pyramids. Wow. And sadly, that was not tears of joy because within minutes after that, five Bedouins with these dark faces and these rifles just grabbed me and started to drag me into the desert. Um, and uh, I confused them with my conversation. And as I was I was screaming at the top of my lungs, the Greeks built the pyramids and it really upset them. And so mm. I was a good runner. So wow. but, you know, the police threatened me that you know people disappear in those deserts. So... Um, yes, I mean, it was when I, when I was standing at one o'clock in the morning in front of Cheops's pyramid, it, and the full moon was directly above it with this, almost like a halo around it. Yeah. I just looked up at it, you know, I ran to it without looking, just ran towards it. And then at that moment I looked up and I went, oh my God, because it's nothing like pictures, you know, mm. you can. You know, you can travel the world looking at photographs and watching television, but there's something being there. Oh, yeah. That makes you, you know, and, and it's not just about being an explorer. It's, it's an education to yourself to, to understand how other people look at immigration here today. Yeah, it's not, you know, when you learn about other cultures, you learn about other boundaries, you learn about people's tastes and their joys and their failures you learn about other things that it's a big world and mm-hmm. and if we don't how do you understand who you are if you can't if you can't understand or comprehend what other cultures have developed and you know when we dismiss it's it's about what we've done with immigration you know i came in here legally uh, you know people mm-hmm. come in legally which i believe you know you come by application but did we expect that all these wars were going to happen and refugees were, were at, you know, their lives were at stake and their children? And look what happened with the Afghanistans and, and yeah. how that kind of mentality. You know, we are, um, um, in many ways, we've always been the country of, of freedom and great beliefs and, and, and generosity. And... Um, and that's what we've been doing when people come and we will welcome them the way we do. It's just that now it's been confused and politicized to the point of where the immigrants all look like they're criminals. Yeah. And that's not true and that's not yeah. fair. And then you say to people, boy, wait a minute, your grandparents were immigrants. I mean, why are you mm-hmm. scoffing at their, their lives and everything? Give them a chance. But I believe in, you know, going through immigration. I, I don't believe you should come in here free because right. others have been waiting for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You know. now, now, as far as your acting, um, you worked with some incredible people. You worked with Elizabeth Taylor, correct? Oh, my sister-in-law. Oh, my God. You know, I didn't have much to do with her. She, she, I was one of the Cassidines on General Hospital, and she came in as, as the wife of, um, of uh, my my brother, uh, my eldest brother in the family. Um, and I remember how humorous she was, how beautiful she was. But I never really got to talk to her. And then they had a theater thing, um, and they invited us all, and she was the guest of honor. And I remember uh, my friend, actors at the table saying, oh, my God, look at her. She just came in. Everybody's surrounding her. You know, this star. I mean, that was a star. And she came in, and she sat at the table. And then they, they, they bet her. I mean, they said, I dare you to go over to Liz Taylor and say hello. They said, because you're the only one who could, because you, she plays your sister-in-law. <laughs> so I, uh, I thought, okay, I'll go over. So I went over, and I have to tell you, I was mesmerized by those eyes, and I knelt down on one knee, like, you know, 
I was, she was the queen and I was the yeah. whole, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I looked at it and I don't know what I was talking about. I have no idea. I can't even remember. Hmm. Uh, but it, it, it took 15 minutes of her time. And all I can remember were those eyes. And she was so lovely and so kind. And then I went back to the table and I said, wow, what did she say? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I couldn't remember anything she said to me. I just was, I don't remember too many times in my, where I was, you know. It just blocked, it blocked out? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just blocked out. You know, wow. I mean, I mean, you know I've, I've had some incredible moments where I danced with Ingrid Bergman, where, um, wow where I had tea uh, for an hour with Jacqueline Kennedy. And, um, huh. you know, I, I, I did Robert Redford's clothes. I, I had a lot of wonderful, uh, John Gielgud, so John Gielgud who came in after Lillian Gish, the silent movie star, uh, came in and wanting to buy him a, a gift, a shirt, and how I, I chose a beautiful silk shirt because they were going to the south of France. And, you know, John Gielgud was something unbelievable right. as far as what his talent was about. And I remember seeing him on Broadway uh, in, in uh, a, a play called Home, and and, um, and he came in with his hat and his cane, and he said, who's Teo? And I said, oh, that's me. She, he looked at me and he said, pale blue. And so um, we ended up talking for half an hour. He was, he was just a lovely, lovely, you know, there's something about training. Yeah. As I recollect, you know, there's, you can't go wrong when people are trained well. You know, it's like a, I'm not going to compare a human being to a dog, but when you train a dog and the way it behaves, it can be so wonderful and beautiful and, and also with a child, you know. But, God, it's just this, this boundaries are very important. And I say to young actors, you know, learn about boundaries because, you know, not everything's an action movie. And if you don't know boundaries, if you don't have a social standing with the person you're talking to, then nobody knows what the relationship, it's not clear. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, those those values are very important. And so yeah. I learn about boundaries because, it, it, you know, there are stages of development in your life and um, each decade has a different development. And those who've come before you, it's very important that you respect Mm -hmm. because I have something to say you don't know about. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Did, did you ever, in your wildest imagination as a kid, ever think that you would be working with, you know, Elizabeth Taylor and Omar Sharif and, and all these these people? I mean, it's un, un, incredible. No, no, you know, there was a lot of humility in, in my beginnings. <laughs> We've overcome that one. Um, but there was a lot of... Um, Mainly because of my <clears throat> mum. My dad, you know, came from a certain society in Greece, but when they reached Australia, they were just immigrants, and he used to dig up the streets, and poor man used to come home very, very, I always felt it damaged him, um, and, and cutting uh, sugar canes in the fields, and, and then he'd come home frustrated. So what do those Greek men do? They smoked, they they drank a lot, um, because in many ways it drowned out a lot of their experiences. And, uh, you know, we go beyond our parents. And, mm -hmm. and when I saw my mom and her struggles, because she had to do all this embroidery stuff to put us through school. And so <clears throat> when I took the opportunity, and of course, when I went to America, she thought it was over. She thought, oh, well, he was the eldest son. He had a chance to change things for us. And, um, and my mother would say, why would you leave your family? You know, your sisters aren't married. You know how the Greeks are. Your sisters aren't married. You, you've got to come home and, and support the family here. You, what are you doing there? You've been overseas for five years and nothing's happened. What are you doing? <laughs> so, well, that all changed. Mm -hmm. But also uh, the trick to it all was perseverance. But And a lot of slaps and put-downs and... Uh, some really cruel people that crossed my path and some glorious ones. Mm -hmm. And the glorious ones are those that remained. And I swore to myself I wouldn't go back home until I made something happen. Well, through the course of my success in life, I was able to send my parents 
overseas to Europe five times mm-hmm. and bring him also to America. And um, I thought I wanted to do that and to help him out. Um, I have great siblings, but I was the one who, because being the eldest son, so the combination of wanting to uh, rescue my family and to also rescue myself and have a success that everybody scoffed at because who makes it in America as an actor, you know? Right. And they thought, um, you're not missing your ego and all this. But I tell you, when Mission Impossible came and I was able to go to Australia, that was the big winning ticket because then it was blasted. You know, Sydney boy makes it good. And, mm-hmm. and so my... My parents, my father was crying. He couldn't understand. He'd look at me and think, where the hell did he come from? You know. So the thing behind it all that always resonated in my mind is don't embarrass the family. <laughs> so I made sure I'd never get into trouble. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So that's how it all took yeah. place, really. When you played two characters on Days of Our Lives, is that is that tough? I mean... Do you get confused sometimes? Well, <laughs> you know, who, who am I? <laughs> well, especially if you're playing them in the same day. Exactly. <clears throat> and it's a quick process. You know, it's it's all in the attitude. So I, I decided I had a very clear attitude about both characters. Um, one was the original. The What I thought as Tony, I said, okay, let's look at him as the perfect kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Dresses well, smart, bright holds his own, um, has a beautiful wife, is the whole package. And then I thought Andre, the imposter, makes mistakes, trips, blunders, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't always do things as well, walks through the door and crashes into something. You know, So I gave him those differentiations. And also I lowered my voice for Andre <clears throat> and made him very lethal, whereas Tony was simple. Mm-hmm. But because he had arrived, yeah. So one was looking to become, as the other had become. Hmm. So that's how I did it, yeah. and um, and also it was the first double characters in daytime, and um, I was also uh, the first. Uh, well, Scorpio and General Hospital starred too, but um, it, it it was the accent. That was my enemy in the beginning. That became my asset in the end. Yeah. Huh. Well, well, the date soap operas confuse me sometimes because it's the only place where you can be you can be a twin, you can be a double, you can get amnesia, you can be killed, brought back. <laughs> Everything in the world yes, can happen. I brought to that one back. Listen, I brought that one back. Uh, uh, I mean, after dying seven times, how do you resurrect yourself? And, <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and I said, don't kill me. Let me go up the stairs and just disappear for a while. Or <laughs> say, oh, he's taking a trip like yeah. they're doing these days. You know, Tony and Anna are always going on some trip. Yeah. And, wow. you know, so. Yeah. Well, Teo, I'd like to finish up. Uh, you, you've been so generous with your time, and I thank you so much. But I'd like to finish up with one final question taking us away from uh, Days of Our Lives and uh, Mission Impossible and everything that you've done and your new podcast that's coming out in September, The Lost Treasures, uh, which everybody should be listening to. But when you sit back and relax, which I know you don't because I know (laughs) you're so busy with writing and everything and and acting and everything, but uh, when you do sit back, what are your favorite TV shows now and of the past and what's your favorite movies now and of the past? What are you watching Oh, well, as far as movies are concerned, I have a real passion for spy movies. Oh, okay. Because in, in many ways, I, I, I like seeing adversaries. Um, I like Cold Wars. Um, I liked, um, um, I love uh, the movie of Spielberg's um, Munich, for instance, mm-hmm. which was uh, about the assassination of the Jewish uh athletes in uh, in the 70s and i love i think my favorite movie of all time that still this day resonates is ben-hur ah classic yeah i loved he was my hero uh charlton heston Mm -hmm. and and i have to say um that movie to this day i mean that chariot race that 
whole. That movie had everything. It had the size of it, the story, the music, the emotions, the acting. It, it, it was a phenomenal movie, along with Gone with the Wind. I mean, mm -hmm. they're probably two of my favorite movies. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's um, what I watch. I don't, I'm not big on, I, I like miniseries. I, I'm not, I don't like, you know, police stuff in the series that we get so much of and yeah. it seems so repetitive. Um, I like documentaries. You know, I like things of history. Mm -hmm. I, I like people go discovering things because it's in my, my genre. Um, comedies, you know, I, I mean, yes, I, I, you know, there are some that make me laugh, but for that, I, I, I like the Brits, the British comedy. I yeah. think that's, as I get the timing of all that. Um, but, you know, I, I suppose I, when I was living in New York, I loved going to the theater. But I love going to museums, you know, but we don't have a great culture here in, in Los Angeles. And if we do it, you know, it's either a, a, an exhibit that's going through, and you know, and mm -hmm. when I did build a museum, uh, the Academy Museum, I was so disappointed when I went. I thought, oh, I can't wait to see what history that we, the greatest thing discovered in this country in the 20th century was movie making. And when you go to the Academy to see it, I just don't think they did it. That was not good enough. Oh, uh, yeah. It was, more, it was more than that, you know. Um, and the Oscars and all that. I was, you know, it's all, you know, I always love watching the Oscars. But now everything's being brought down to, unless we have the great filmmakers that are there, about four of them that remain. Mm -hmm. um, we, we've reached the point of where things are just, I don't know, ordinary. Yeah. And, uh, I don't you know, I, the reason I don't go to a lot of movie houses anymore is because I, I find the subjects and the movies are just, they're not the filmmakers. I mean, the Scorseses and all the Spielbergs of the world. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Oppenheimer. I like the yes. new Mission Impossible. You know, that's why I like Tom Cruise because he keeps upping his game. I mean, he's extraordinary. Um, but uh, I, I like things that have dimensions, you know, and I don't like bringing it down to ordinary things. You know, give me things that are extraordinary and let us dream about those things, you know. Yeah. And that's what the filmmakers did before. We'd come, we'd go in the dark and dream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'd come out talking about them, you know. we talk about the movies we just saw and we get all excited. Mm -hmm. Now we just come out and all we can think of is we had too much popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to talk because I I love this business and there's so many talented and wonderful people and what they're fighting for now in the strike. I mean, you mm. know, God bless the actors and the writers and the directors are okay. You know, they've already proved themselves. But, yeah. oh, my God, it, you know, we're not treated well by corporation, big corporations. The greed mm. is just so enormous. And you can see how the rich have become richer and the poor have become poorer. Yep. I mean, it's the same in the movie making. You know, they want to pay us for one residual and not a continuation of it. Mm -hmm. so, so they don't share. And and they're just, you know, how did someone take, you know, millions of dollars in, uh, a year when everybody else is struggling? Yeah, you know, yeah it's, it's, it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It well, is. It's just, uh, I don't know. So you you you're hoping, you know, and I always find when you're getting too greedy in life, watch out for the bump. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Teo, I, like I said, I cannot thank you enough for sharing with us, and uh, we'll keep an eye out for the lost treasures. Uh, I, I'm very excited now to uh, be sure to listen to that. And uh, oh, thank you. Well, you know, it's a journey. It's a, a wonderful journey of of discovering the man, and and because I wrote it myself and I acted out as well. Plus, they put in some nice effects in there, sound effects. It gives you a whole different dimension in the story. And the story is a great story. The second one has a great curse in it and how it affected Schliemann. Hmm. But it's, you know, it, it's something to learn. Let's, let's not just remember what happened five years ago. Let's go back to our time when the great things happened, where history has remained because it was done so well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So thank you for your time. And thank you for asking me good questions. Uh, and, and I enjoyed having my Greek coffee as we were speaking.
Theo Penglis, right here on On Screen and Beyond. And uh, like I said, uh, we want to thank him so much for joining us. And uh, it was a lot of fun listening to what he's got going. Uh, be sure to check out uh, his uh, The Lost Treasures, uh, because that uh, sounds like a great podcast. And uh, it's, 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 it's you know, going to be interesting, because uh, it's, 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 it's real facts and things like that. It's, it's going to be good. So check that out. And also, you can check him on Days of Our Lives and uh, reruns of uh, old, you know, Mission Impossible from the 80s TV show and things like that. So uh, check him out and see what you think. And um, we've got, uh, like I say, the strike is going on as far as the actors and the writers. So we're not looking at too much happening this year on, uh, you know, for the fall seasons. Now, whether they'll come back and get things going and happening uh you know, later on in the, well, probably not till the next year. Uh, and then they got to get things going and filming and everything. So uh, we're going to be in delay again. Uh, <laughs> sort of like when COVID was around, you know, they did some, but not too much. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a sad thing. That's, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, maybe sometimes we'll have somebody come on and they can talk about this and let us, uh, the average people know more about what's going on and uh, find out about that. So uh, we'll see. I'll see what I can do about that. But uh, we've uh, until then, be sure to listen to all the back episodes of On Screen and Beyond, and uh, you know, check out the uh, the different people we've had over the years. It's a lot of fun to listen to them. I've been listening to a f- some of the older ones there that we've had. The first ones, uh, it's uh, it was a long time ago, <laughs> and some of my I, I did live in uh, different events and uh, it's you know you can hear some back noise background noise and things like that but uh, you, know, you can always enjoy what the people are saying so uh, that's the big thing so uh, be sure to check those out at onscreenandbeyond.com and at your favorite podcast provider and i guess that's it that is a wrap for this episode of on screen and beyond so until next time when we once again take you on screen and beyond i'm brian zemrak take care